So for those of you who've been here a little while and have heard me preach before, you know I have a bit of a tradition that I don't love, uh, but I'll write my sermon way ahead of time, and then the night before, God's like, no, you're going to preach on this. And now I know why. He put something on my heart, and it pretty much matches up with what Kenny was talking about. So he took, he did most of the work, and I'm just going to come in and back clean up. Um, but yeah, I, I did the drive through nativity last night. I did, uh, I got to play Mary, or I got to play Joseph with Mary. Man, I'd be, I'd be an unsettling Mary. <laughs> um, but I got to play Joseph, uh, and I got to hang out with uh, Earl and Shahaley Meeker, and we had a great time. And then uh, afterwards, I just locked myself in my office, and I blasted worship music. And have you guys ever, like, just been, like, taken away by a song where you hear it, and it's moving you? I was, like, drumming on my desk while I was typing. I was headbanging, and then Trey walks in, knocks on my door, and I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Um, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love Christmas. I love this time of year. I always have. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's a time for spending time with family and loved ones, sharing memories, sharing laughter, um, judging the pastor who decided to wear a bright red jacket. Um, I'm, I'm here to help you guys make memories. Um, but it's also been discussed that Christmas is, is more than just the exchanging of gifts or the giving of gifts. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. There is much more to Christmas than the exchanging of gifts. There, is, however, some, there are, however, some gifts that need to be recognized and celebrated. There are some gifts that are, are important to remember, not just at Christmas time, but every day of the year. Uh, the gift I'd like to talk about today is the gift of the body. And the gift of the body is, is probably the greatest gift in history. Uh, it's greater than a new car. It's greater than somebody paying off your mortgage. It's greater than anything you could possibly imagine. The gift of the body is a gift that spans time and it affects your eternity. So today I'd like to take a a little bit more in-depth look at this gift and and break down how, how wonderful and how incredible it is. The first part of this gift is the gift of Jesus in bodily form. Jesus was delivered to us as a as an infant, as a baby born of a virgin. He was sent into this broken world to live amongst us. This this perfect Savior was sent into an imperfect world to dwell among imperfect people for whom he had a perfect love and a perfect plan. And the idea that that Jesus would descend into a broken world that would largely reject him for not being what many thought he ought to be is, is really a beautiful depiction of his love and care for his children and his devotion to us. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This Savior left the the heavenly realms a place of eternal worship and joy, a paradise, the paradise, 
to come down here, which is not always paradise. I don't know. Actually, this morning I was walking into church, and the sunrise on the, the mountains out there was breathtaking. It, we live in a gorgeous part of God's creation, and I, I don't take that for granted. It's gorgeous out there. But he, he left the heavens and came down here for us. He came to teach us the ways of the Father, to set a path that would lead the lost back home and would redeem the broken. And his lessons would set a precedent that we still follow today, to consult with the Father in prayer and to share the life-giving truth of the Word. John chapter 8, verse 2 says, Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. Jesus came to teach. Could you, could you imagine? We've, we've all had wonderful teachers in our lives, I hope. I know I have. I've had many, and I'm very grateful for. But could you imagine what it would be like to sit, not in a classroom, but at the foot of the Savior, to hang on his every word, to be able to bask in his glory and just take in the word of God from the mouth of God. He is an incredible, he's the greatest teacher that has ever lived. And he set that precedent for us. Jesus was delivered to us to dwell among us, to be one of us, to be one set apart. The gift of Jesus the man is one that cannot be overlooked. His life sets an example for which we are called to be imitators. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Jesus not only came down to be a teacher, but he came down to be an example. And to be an example of a life worthy of, of admittance into the kingdom of heaven. However, he also knew that this example would be impossible for us to reach. He knew that we would not be able to live up to the exact standards that he had set before us. And that's when the second gift of the body comes in. The gift of the bodily sacrifice. See, Jesus was not just sent to be a teacher and an example, but also the great redeemer and reconciler that would bring the wayward and lost back into the arms of the Father and Creator, the one who formed us to be in his company and in his presence, but through the choice of sin, had lost those he loved most to the fallen nature of the world. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. He came to this earth to be our ransom. To be the bridge that would bridge the gap between us and the Father. To be the one that would bring us home. He is the great redeemer and the great reconciler. Many of us will think, though, if if we are so wicked and lost, then why would God want to be reconciled with us? To that, I bring you John 3.16, a verse we know well. Probably... If you were to ask anybody who's not a believer to, to quote one scripture, they'd probably either give you John 3.16 or Jesus wept. Because those are also the only two that I can say. <laughs> but John 3.16 is probably the preeminent verse in all of Christianity today. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're losing interest, I'd hope that you come back at this point and, and listen to what I have to say right now. Jesus was sent to this earth to save all. Let me say that again. He was sent to this earth to save all. And when I say all, I mean all. I don't just mean the people sitting in this room. I don't just mean the people who will be partaking in church on a Sunday morning. Jesus came to this earth to save the people that love him, but also to save the people who hate him. We lose we often lose sight of the personal nature of God. And we as humans tend to believe that at one point or another, we are the exception to that statement. We are the exception to the all. That somehow the things that we have done have disqualified us from being a part of that statement. God is absolutely a big God. He created the earth. He created the skies, land and sea, all the animals and everything. He is a God who creates big things. But just as he is a big God and a God of big things, just as importantly, he is a God of the details. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O Lord. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. We think that our sins are too big. That if if God had only known what I'd done, if he knew the things that I have done in my life, the things that I had said, or the things that I had thought, then he wouldn't feel this love for me. Spoiler alert, he knows. He knows all that you have ever done. All the evil you have ever done. Every sin you have ever committed every thought you've ever had, every word you've ever spoken. He knows it all. And hear me now. He knows these things, and still he chooses you. Time and time and time again, he chooses you. All that we have to do is turn around and choose him and accept him back. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says it very plainly there. We want you. We want you to be reconciled with the Father. And I am the way. I am the one who is coming to take your place. You know, it's been said before that it wasn't the nails that held Jesus on the cross. It's pretty powerful. Uh, You know, he turned water into wine, he walked on the water, he raised the dead, did some pretty incredible things. I would think that it would be almost no thought for him to say, meh, I'm done, it's cool, I'll get off the cross. He's a pretty powerful guy, I'm pretty sure it was within his realm of possibility. But instead, it wasn't the nails that held him there, it was the thought of you. 
It was his love for each and every one of us. Regardless of how we feel about him, his love for us held him on that cross. He chose us over his own life so that he could become the bridge that would bring us back to the Father. And guess what? It doesn't just end at the cross or the resurrection. We know, we now get to the most probably overlooked part of the gift of the body. And that is the body of Christ, the church, his bride, us. We are the body of Christ. You see, we give our lives to Jesus, and before that, we are separate. We are individuals floating through this world, trying to make our own way, trying to figure it out. The moment that you give your life to Jesus, though, you, you join something so much greater than you could ever imagine. Not only are you joined together with the fellow believers in this room and in this church, in this region, you are now a part of a body with every believer who has ever proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ from now until eternity and from here to the ends of the earth. We're not alone. Not only will Jesus never leave us nor forsake us, we are never alone because we are surrounded by a body of believers. The fellow believers are a gift that cannot be overlooked. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. No one can make this walk of faith alone. You can't do it. From the very beginning of time, the very beginning of creation, God created man to be in relationship with him. And then he created us to be in relationship with one another through the body of Christ. You cannot do this alone. You, this walk is hard. If you choose to follow Jesus, it's not easy. You will fall, and you will stumble. It is important to remember to surround yourself with fellow believers who will be there to lift you up in prayer and in deed. To surround yourself with fellow believers who will take on your burdens as their own so you do not have to bear them alone. Uh, 2019 has been a year to forget for me, largely. Uh, My father got cancer. Uh, I had loved ones die. I had friends taken too early. I watched as people allowed trivial things to destroy their friendships, their relationships, and their lives. I felt a loneliness at times that was so profound that I truly believed that the Lord had left me. 
I struggled to preach the word to the students that I love because I questioned the very words that came from my mouth. I questioned once again if I was the right person to be here at Powell Butte. Am I qualified to lead not just my students, but this congregation, or even my wife? At one point, I became so overwhelmed that I sincerely considered ending my own life because it was all just too much. What pulled me out of it? Yes, prayer helped. Studying the word helped. Seeking professional help definitely helped. They were all of vital importance. However, what carried me through was you, the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters. You who heard my struggles and lifted me up in prayer, who shared my burdens as if they were your own. Jesus has saved my soul, yes. But it was Christ's love through all of you that saved my life. I'd like to invite the band up. I'm going to be bold today and think that there are some of you out there who don't know Jesus. That there are some of you maybe who know him but have walked away. Maybe you need to recognize the gift of the body. Receive the gift of the body and become a part of the gift of the body. Maybe you need to hear that you are loved because you are. Or that you have value. You do, and it's more than gold. Or that there is a hope, one that cannot be lost. Or to experience peace that will not fail you. Or to know that you have a purpose that is higher than any other. If there are any elders in the room, I'd, I'd ask that you you'd come forward um, because I'm going to ask that those of you who feel a calling on your heart to welcome this wonderful group, this gift of the body. If you feel that calling on your heart, I'm going to ask you to be bold, as Jesus was bold, to come forth and accept him. If you've walked away, if you have have wandered away, know that he is right there with you, waiting for you to turn around and choose him. What a greater, what greater day to, to give this gift to God than on the day that we celebrate the gift that was given to us. If you would like to come forward, I will pray, we will sing a worship song, and then uh, we'd love to celebrate with you. But know that you are loved above all else by the God who created you, who knows you down to a cellular level. You are loved. You are valued by a father who gave up his only son just to know you. And you sure are appreciated by all the people in this room. You are loved.